When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Bible's up. Let's go. I'm ready to hear, then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, have your way in us today. Move by your spirit. We ask that you would speak to us with clarity and speak to us with power today. God, we need to hear from you. Your word says that your word is alive and it's sharper than a dual-edged sword. What does that mean? That your word will cut what needs to come off of us. And your word will put in us what needs to be in us. So when we say have your way, what we're saying, Lord, is whatever you need to do in us and through us, do it. Somebody say do it, Lord. We stand before you. Matter of fact, we lay before you today as we get ready to receive this word. Like we're on a surgery table saying take out what you need to take out. Put in what you need to put in. Lord, have your way in us today. Can I get you to open up your mouth and say, Lord, have your way in me today. So guys, in Wednesday, on Wednesday, we started this series called Bad Boys, Bad Boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they... Hey, listen, what it's all about is taking men from the Bible that had to conquer enemies while simultaneously conquering their enemy. If you look at the series graphic, you'll see something interesting. You'll see one man... And that one man is dealing with two different sides. Have you ever felt like you are fighting yourself? Have you ever felt like sometimes your greatest struggle is with you? On one side, you see what might be looked at as the demonic side or the humanistic side of the man. On the other side, which is also the side you'll see the man's weapon, that is where you see the more spiritual side of the man. What are you saying? God gives us spiritual weapons to overcome our natural issues. I need y'all to hear me today. Anything you're facing in the natural, God has already given you a weapon in the spirit. That's that's why the Bible says the spirit and the flesh, they're at war. And that's what you see on that graphic. What you see on that graphic is a war. You see one person that is dealing with a war that's going on on the inside. But I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, but I am victorious. So look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Uh, we learned on Wednesday from Genesis 126 that God made us in his image and his likeness. Say his image and his likeness. His image is this word that means what's seen. In other words, when people look at your life, what is seen from your life, people ought to be able to say that's God. Which means it's not going to all be perfect. In fact, a lot of it's going to be gutter. But even when people look at your gutter and see you come up out of your gutter, they'll be able to say that was nobody but God. 
When they look at what you overcame, they'll say that was nobody but God. When they look at how you should have been dead, but you're still here, they'll say that's nobody but God. When they look at you and you should have been the premiere episode of Snapped, where you snapped, crackled, and popped, but somehow, some way, you did not. They'll be able to look at you and say that's nobody but God. But at the same time, not only is what's seen of God, but watch me, the substance of who we are should be of God. So the scripture says that God said, let us make man in our image. And I taught you on Wednesday that the scripture teaches us in Deuteronomy 6, 4, that the Lord is one. So who's the us he's talking to? He is talking to every facet of himself. What is a facet? It's an aspect of himself. God looks at everything that he is that is good, and he says, everything that is us, which means Jehovah Jireh looked at Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi looked at Elohim. Elohim looked at El Shaddai. El Shaddai looked at Jehovah Sabaoth. That means the Lord that fights for us. God looked at all of the attributes of himself, and he put it in us, which means sometimes you will feel like you're in a situation that's dark and gloomy, but God says, you're the light of the world. Why? Because if he's light, we are light. Y'all better catch this thing today. Uh, there, sometimes you'll be put in situations where you'll say, God, how is this going to get done? But since he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides, he'll put provision in you. Which means you'll often be put in situations where you look like, it looks like, how is this going to happen? Where am I going to get it from? And somehow you'll get a creative idea and you will create the provision you need. Because everything that he is, I need you to lay your hands on yourself, say, it's in me too. So we are the substance, and we are what's seen, his image and his likeness. And the Bible says in Genesis 1.26 that he told us to have dominion. And dominion means run that. Every problem that exists in the earth, I need you not to complain about what you and I were sent to solve. See, to have dominion means to run that. Say run that. To run that means whatever's going on, I don't need you to just sit back and be mad about it. I need you to do something about it. Can I be honest? There's a lot of anger, but your anger has got to turn into action. Every time God saw an issue, God solved the issue. He didn't just say, ooh, that's always a problem. Lazarus is dead. No, he said, Lazarus, come forth. In other words, just like God solved problems and God ran situations, you and I have to do the same thing. See, in the earth, anything that goes on, you and I have responsibility for. That's deep, right? Because a lot of the times we're begging God to do something, and God says, I put me in you so you could do what I do down there. I put me in you so you could do what I do down there. I'm going to say it a third time so everybody in your house get it. I put me in you so you could do what I do down there, which means there's nothing you're facing or dealing with that you need to be overwhelmed by or say, I can't do this. God says, you better do what I did. You better use your mouth to create your world. You better lose your words to frame your world. What do you mean, Bishop? Whenever God saw a problem, what did he do? He started speaking. And God said, and there was, and he saw it was good. Let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to say, you're going to see, and then you're going to say it's good. You're going to say, then you're going to see, then you're going to say it's good. You're going to say, then you're going to see, then you're going to say it's good. I need you not to let depression punk you. I need you not to let generational curses punk you. I need you not to let loneliness punk you. You're going to say, you're going to see it, and you're going to say it's good. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Say the same God that created the world is inside of me. So he says, run that. That means you have dominion. Whatever you allow, I allow. Whatever you tolerate, I tolerate. That's deep, right? Because there's a lot of people that would say, why would God, why would God let this happen? Why would God let this happen? And, and watch me. Anything that goes on in your house, that's like you asking me why I let something happen in your house. Let me back that up so you get it. 
you don't get to be mad at me for what's going on in your house. Just like we don't get to be mad at God for what's going on in our house. Because he told us when he made us, run that. And I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, I'm going to run that. Say, anything I have dominion over, say, watch me run that. So watch this. Watch this. We're in his image and his likeness, and we're supposed to run that. Say it with me. I need y'all to type it on the screen. And by the way, if you're just coming in, I need you to share this word. Somebody needs to hear this word. Why? To solve problems. See, you don't need authority unless you're an answer. One of the most dangerous things is giving people authorities who, authority who only create problems. You miss that. You don't need authority unless you're going to be an answer. Because other than that, you're just going to be red tape. You miss what I just said. You ever dealt with somebody in position that didn't want to solve the problem? They just wanted to talk about it? Uh, they, they just wanted to, oh, let's have a meeting about the problem. How about we solve it? Sitting up talking and meeting, meeting and meeting and meeting and meeting and meeting, and you ain't fix nothing. You are nothing but red tape. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, now, check this out. To solve problems. Uh, watch me. Which is why you will often be placed in problems, and then God will say, now solve it. That's amazing, because he won't solve them for you. He'll put you in it and say, you solve it. He sets Ezekiel in the valley and say, can the bones live? Why didn't God just make the bones live? He said, Ezekiel, you solve it. You and I have been set in some situations that were like, God, why won't you do anything? And God says, you do something. The same me that did all of this is the same me that's in you. And you, I told you to run that. So Genesis, or excuse me, Jeremiah 1.5 says this. Jeremiah 1.5 says that before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Which means life began before conception. Somebody say, I had to be here. And notice you were formed. Formed means that you were sent to solve a problem. See, this phone case around my phone was formed for my phone. You can't put this on an Android because this is formed for an Apple. Here's the problem. Whenever you're doing what you are not formed to do, you will be deformed. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. See, some of y'all, you're like, I just don't know this, 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 because you weren't built to do certain things, and so you don't have the grace to handle certain things. But, but some of you need to hear me. You have been formed to do this. I need you to open your mouth and say, I've been formed for this. Say it again. Say, I've been formed for this. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, so if I formed you to do something, that means there's a certain thing you are fit to handle. Woo! That means there are certain things that when other people look at it, you're like, I can't do that. But you look at it like, oh, all you got to do is this. Watch me, watch me, watch me. I remember one time I, I had somebody do something and they couldn't figure it out. I walked in and said, well, sir, you're, you're going to just figure it out because you always figure stuff out. That's what they told me. And I said, can I tell you why I figured it out? Because I was formed to solve problems. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. When I, see a pro when I see a problem, I look at a problem and I say, listen, you don't know who you messing with. I need you to lay your hands on yourself saying, I'm a problem solver. Say it again, y'all. Say, I'm a problem solver verse says before I formed you in the womb I knew you so you were formed which means you were sent for a specific reason somebody say I was sent for a reason see this this is called trust on the pulpit here it's trust this was formed for a specific reason now, triangular trust is strong because it's not just depending on the strength of two uh, uh, sides it's got the strength of three sides and the Bible says a threefold colder is not easily broken 
So this is formed to handle stuff that, watch me, that others can't handle. Some of y'all better stop comparing your life to other people's life because you weren't formed to deal with the same stuff as them. You were formed to handle big old problems. And even when it looks like you're going down, you may wobble with it for a little bit, but you're coming up. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I was formed for this. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, the verse says, it says, I knew you. Which means God says, I knew you before I sent you. This is why when you become a Christian, you are re- re- being reconciled to God. You cannot be reconciled, re-again-conciled relationship. You can't come back into a relationship with somebody you were never with. That's called a new relationship. You got what I'm saying? You, you can't relight an old flame if it wasn't even no fire. You got me? So God says, listen, God says, that's why when you worship, there's something supernatural that happens. That's why when you're hearing the word, you, that stirring that's in you, it's a supernatural thing. Because God says, you are being reminded of what it was like when you were with me before you got here. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That means I set you apart. I set you aside to be different. Hear me, stop demonizing your difference because that's where your value is. Listen, stop letting people try to say, well, so-and-so do it like this, so-and-so do it. Well, if you want it like so-and-so do it, then go on over there to what so-and-so do it. Because I wasn't formed to be so-and-so. I was formed to be me. Lay your hands on yourself and say, I was set apart to be me. You ready? Here you go. It says, before you were born, I consecrated you. Which means before you got here, God set you apart. Which means if you spend your life trying to be like the average folk that you grew up around, God says you're going to be very disappointed. He says you're going to be very angry. You need to learn how to watch me, how to be consecrated. Say consecrated. Consecrated means, watch me, let me give you, give you to it an animal analogy. Watch me. Chickens aren't consecrated. Chickens hang out together. Chickens hang out with any chicken. Watch me, and watch me, if they're not careful, they'll eat the waste of another chicken. Because they're busy, watch this, picking up their food off the ground. Y'all better hear me. <laughs> Y'all better hear me. They are busy, watch me, if you ever look at how chickens are, they are busy, watch me, they're busy making noise with their equals. Picking up their food off the ground. The same place that they waste is where they eat. You got to be careful that you're not eating your waste. The Bible says, like a fool does a dog return to its own vomit. I need you to lay your hands on yourself and say, I'm not having bad repeats. I rebuke every bad repeat that the enemy was planning on you having for the second half of this year and the rest of this decade. Say, I'm not feeding on my waist. Say it again. I'm not feeding on my waist. But an eagle, an eagle, however, you've never, ever, ever seen two eagles hanging out because two successful people respect success let me tell you why some some people don't get you it's because while they want to hang out and be like chickens you busy soaring and game recognized game another eagle would say listen i ain't mad handle your business i pray you have some eagle friends show up in your life that when you're handling business, they're not sitting there getting an the attitude with you because you wasn't because you wasn't doing that, but you were soaring. I, I dare you to just prophetically throw your arms out and say, I'm soaring this year. I'm soaring this decade. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And watch me. Come on, verse. And I consecrated you. 
I appointed you, which means I decided what you would do before you got here. Look at me, because this is the problem for today's generation. What do you mean? Everybody alive. And I say today's generation. Everybody alive. You keep thinking what you're supposed to do is what you want to do. I don't have a pastor for that. He didn't ask you that. I don't enjoy that. He didn't ask you that. See, when he tells you what to do, you make that what you enjoy. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a bishop. But when I got the instruction, truth is, I ran for a little bit. It didn't take long. I'm, I, I was the kind of kid. Watch me. It didn't take me but once. We ain't got to have this discussion multiple times. It didn't take me but once for the Lord to discipline me. And I said, yo, yes, sir. Come on, come on, church. Lift your hands. Tell him thank you. Because I said, I don't want to go, watch me, I don't want to waste my days in delay because I thought it was about what I wanted to do. You will waste years of your life trying to figure out what to do because you won't do what you told. Look at the verse. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You are not even a sperm yet, and you're a prophet. Your mama ain't even met your daddy and you're going to speak to nations. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. So watch me. So God says, when you get to the earth, watch me. I made you. But life tries to remake you and tries to break you. So I have to remake you better than you were. Let's be honest. How many of us have wasted our days? There's a lot of you right now. Quarantine has made you question a lot. Do I want to do this? 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 Question. Did you ever ask who made you? Or did you just give him your list of what you like? This is not you can have whatever you like. This is not how God works. God says, you're going to do what I sent you to do. Or everything you do. Watch me. You might succeed in it, but you'll never be satisfied. You might make money, but you'll never feel fulfilled. You might have a house on a hill, 2.3 children, and a nice pension and still hate your life because you're not doing what I sent you to do. When this case is on this phone, it's doing what it was formed to do. So it doesn't, watch this, without a check. You're not hearing me. See, watch me. When you're doing what you're formed to do, I'm not chasing the money to do it. I'm doing it because this reason was I sent. You think that a pay raise is an indication that that's what you're supposed to do. You think it's about money, which is why you keep chasing it, and it won't chase you. When you do what you're formed to do, money will come run you down. I don't know what I'm prophesying to, but money's about to run you. The favor's about to run you. So here we are. God makes us. Then life tries to remake us and break us. Today's message is called Better Call Saul. Say it with me. Better Say it with me. Now check this out. It's a borrowed name from a TV show of a man whose name originally is Jimmy. Jimmy starts out with a calling to be a champion for his low-income clients. Uh, he's an underdog of sorts whose morals and ambitions clash. What he wants to be and wants to do clashes with what he knows is right. You got to be careful that, watch me, that you're underdeveloped for the level of life you want. What do you mean by that, Bishop? Because he morphs from Jimmy into Saul, and he becomes the attorney for the city's most notorious criminal, the city's most notorious meth dealer. How do you go from being a champion from low-income clients, watch me, 
but you don't like what that pays. So you morph into another man that this man now is clashing with what he knows is right because what he's doing he knows is wrong. That's a word right there. Watch me. So watch me. The message title ends with what's called an interrobang. Can you say it with me? Interrobang. You, you know, used to exclamation point, question mark, period. This punctuation is called an interrobang. It means a question inserted into that question is a level of, watch me, disbelief. So then that means it's a rhetorical question. So better call Saul means, don't call that dude. Watch me. How you gonna, watch me. How you gonna expect somebody to answer the phone when he don't know who he is so you don't know which one you're gonna get? Saul is introduced to us in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 1. It says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Ephiah, a Benjamite, a man of what? Wealth. Now, who's Saul's father? This man right here, his name is Kish. Kish's name in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament, it means power. So watch me. Saul is a son of power, just like you and I. Saul, watch me, his father is wealthy, just like ours. The Bible says all the gold is his, all the silver is his, and the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Say, my daddy has power and wealth. So when we're looking at this story, I want you to now see yourself in the story. Now watch me, he's the son, or he's a Benjamite, say a Benjamite. A Benjamite is setting us up to know how Saul, how life tried to remake Saul. God makes us, then what happens? Life tries to remake us and break us. Let's make sure we get it. God makes us. When does he do that? Before we ever have a body. Then life tries to what? Remake us and break us. So God has to do what? Remake us. Better than we were. You got me? So this is telling us how life tried to remake him. He's a son of power. He's a son of wealth. But he's a Benjamite. The Benjamites, watch me, the word Benjamite there, it means ravenous wolf. Which means he grows up around people who the only way they get success is to attack another. See, whenever you grow up around people that struggle, hear me, you will, it'll, it'll be very difficult to work with them to get anything done. Because they see it, watch me, from a scarcity mentality. Some of you are like, well, why can't this person work with this person? And why can't they work together? And why can't Let me tell you why. Whenever you grow up with scarcity and struggle, you'll think that the stage is only big enough for you. And I need you to know God has enough success for all of us. And success is not cash, cars, and clothes. That's ridiculous. Don't, don't water down God to some money. God says, I want to give you shalom. That is peace. There is nothing missing and nothing broken and nothing lacking and all is well. Somebody said, there's enough room for all of us. I need you to get in our city or hall spirit and just start rooting for somebody else. Woo, 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 woo. I need you to root for somebody in your house. Root for somebody on your job. Root for somebody else. Don't be a Benjamite because you're operating from a mentality of scarcity. So you'll think this is why we got so many haters on social media. It's easy to be big and bold on a computer. It's easy to be a big and bold when you're an internet troll. Huh? 
It's easy to text your little message and say your little message because many people, they're ravenous wolves. They think the only way for them to feel good is for you to feel bad. They think the only way for them to think they're doing better is to try to point out their faults. And I need you to hear me, Horace. We are not a people that are Benjamites. We are not a people that are ravenous wolves. We are people that will celebrate others. We are people that will live. If you win, guess what? I won. If you ain't, guess what? We all eat. But this is his background. His background is the wealth his daddy got, his daddy had to fight somebody else to get. All of that just from the name of where he's from. Y'all still with me? Verse 2. And he had a son whose name was Saul. Somebody say Saul. Saul. Say it again. Say he had a son. His name is Saul. Now, Saul means this, borrowed or asked for. Borrowed or asked for. Look at me. When you borrow it, it ain't yours. I need you to catch that. Look at me. Your life is not yours. It's borrowed. Bishop, what do you mean it's not mine? 2,000 years ago, on a cross, God bought you. Which means everything about our lives is not about us. You're on borrowed time, and I need you to maximize the time you've got. You better hear me. When you count up for birthdays, heaven's counting down. The Bible says your days are numbered, which is why you got to make this declaration. I ain't wasting time fooling around with nobody. Ain't trying to do nothing. Uh, y'all ain't going to say, y'all ain't going to say, I said it fast. Let me give it to you like this. Watch me. You don't have time to waste with people that ain't sure what they want to do. You don't have time to waste with folks that are sitting around talking the same old talk, not trying to advance, not trying to move anywhere. Why? I'm on borrowed time. So if you don't know what you want to do, I need you to get up from the table and come back when you know something. But then not only is it borrowed, watch me, it means asked for. Watch me. There are, watch me. There are people who have prayed for you. You are the answer to something someone has prayed for. See, what you don't know is the children of Israel prayed for a king. They asked for a king. So Saul is what they asked for. Hear me. There are people who have prayed for you, which is why you cannot be mad about who walked out because there's somebody waiting to ask for you. While you're trying to show your value to people that can't appreciate you know how, there's other people that got on their knees and said, God, please give me somebody like that. Whoosh. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, I'm the answer to somebody's prayer. Ain't finna try to convince you. Somebody pray to listen to what I got to say. You ready? Look, he's a handsome young man, verse 2 says. There's not a man like him of the people of Israel more handsome than he. From the shoulders upward, he's taller than all the people. This reveals to us more of how life tries to remake him. So his father's name is what? Kish. Kish means what? Power. He's the son of what? Power and wealth. From what tribe? Benjamin. What does that mean? Ravenous wolves. That means they have a what mentality? Scarcity. Struggle. Whenever you come from struggle, success is a dangerous thing. Why is it dangerous, Bishop? Because if you don't know how to manage what's placed in your hands, you will end up becoming a calamity when you should have been a call. Watch me, guys. He's, watch me, what does the Bible say? He's handsome. Matter of fact, Bible says, wasn't a Hebrew boy. 
more handsome than he. I think he was bald head. Somebody in the room said they talking about me. No, they talking about me. How they talking about you when they talk? No, I'm just messing. I'm, just messing. I'm joking, y'all. I'm joking. Have fun in church. Look at me. What does this tell us? Saul was a pretty boy. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem. Saul was so used to people only wanting him for how he looked, he never, he never developed how he acted. Saul was so used to people wanting him for how he looked, he never developed the inside. He focused on the external, never dealt with the internal. You ever dated somebody? Look straight at me, please. You ever dated somebody? I'm trying to keep you safe. You ever, you ever dated somebody that beyond their beauty, they didn't have much to offer? You just liked to look at them, but when they started talking, you were like, can you please hush? Because you ain't got nothing to say. I wish y'all would be honest with me. And if you just look straight at me, if you sit next to that person currently, you ain't going to start then after church. No, seriously. Have you ever dated somebody and you were like, ooh-wee, God, dog. Then you have a conversation you're like, God, dog. Jesus. Don't have nothing to talk about. Let this be a lesson. You need to have more to offer than a cute face. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. You, every single person, single men, single women, it's, you need to have it together now. Let me be clear. But you need to have more to offer than that. Come on, let's go. Watch me. He's a pretty boy. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Problem is, is he only learned to develop his external. Look at me, because that's all people wanted him for. Question. When you get used to people only wanting you for one thing, you'll think that that's the only thing that matters. So you'll, you'll, watch me, so you will abandon the other parts of you to only focus on that one part of you to only discover that, watch me, that you are pretty tomb. <laughs> you a dead man walking. Ain't nothing else in there except what you've been working on. Look at me. Don't let people only make you one thing. There is so much more to you. See, you're a mother, and you're an amazing mother, but you're also a great employee. You're also a great Christian. There's so much more to you. You're a father, and you're an amazing father, but there is more to you. Do not let yourself get reduced down to one thing. Somebody say, there's more in me. Now watch me. Look. But he never learns to, he never learns to develop that. This is so important because that means he only cares about how things look, not how they really are. Some people would rather look like they got a great marriage than actually do the work to have one. You know these people because they're always on social media wanting co-signers. Always. If that's your boo, that's your boo. We don't need to know that. Now some people say, well, no, I just want the world to know. See, that's the problem. You care about how it looks. And I'm not knocking you. Please hear me. I'm not knocking you because some of y'all are like, I ain't taking my picture. Keep it up. All I'm saying is make sure that the why behind your what is not I'm trying to prove something to somebody that's watching. Because some of y'all watch me, you wouldn't have posted the picture except for the fact you saw your ex was looking. Let me preach the Bible. Hmm? Watch. Y'all ready? You cannot be concerned just on how it looks. You got to be concerned on what it is. Because if you become, watch me, a superficial person, you will be an unsuccessful person. Because you will never do the work to make things last. You'll never become great. You'll become something that has, you, you, it's amazing to me, you can have millions of followers on Instagram. Somebody said to me the other day, somebody had 
millions of followers, and, and and they were and they were what they said. Their words were, and and it's not producing anything for them. I cleaned up, cleaned it up. Not producing anything. I said, how you got millions of followers? Ain't producing nothing. Look at me. It can look good, but nothing's under the hood. And I need you to lay your hands. Say, I don't just look good. Say, there's something under the hood. Ooh. Say, I'm a person of substance. Come on here, y'all. Look at verse 3. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Saul said, or so Kish said to his son, Saul, his son, take one of the young men, one of the servants with you, rise and go look for the donkeys. Look at me. Donkeys in the Hebrew culture were like luxury automobiles. So even when you see Jesus riding in on a donkey, he wasn't, that wasn't a lowly thing. That's why they had to go ask somebody to rent it. In the Bible, they say, go ask him and say, let us use this cult for the Lord has need of it. Let us use this donkey. The Lord has need of it. In other words, they went to Enterprise and rented a car. But they got the platinum packets. Come on here. Huh? Huh? They got the platinum packets. Then they said, I don't need navigation. I got my phone. I ain't paying $45 for a navigation system. I got my phone. <laughs> Y'all ready? I never understood that. They said, would you like to add navigation? Well, $100? No. I, child, I'll figure it out. I will get an old map and a phone book before I spend $100. <laughs> I will just stop on the side of the road. Tell me where such and such is at. Well, I'll give you $100 for, a, for a navigation. Back to the word. Everybody look at me. Look. So they lose what? Donkeys. That tells you Kish is loaded. Because he don't have one luxury car. He has multiple luxury cars. Watch me. Look at me. So now we understand more of Saul's mentality. He thinks that as long as it looks good, he thinks as long, watch me, as he's coming from abundance, that he never learns to appreciate what he has. Why is that important to know? Because in a moment, God's about to give him the throne and he's going to waste it. Because to him, he never learned to appreciate things because he was used to abundance. Look at me. Could it be that areas God allows you to sometimes have lack is so that you learn to appreciate abundance? I need us to take five seconds right here and let the Lord know we appreciate abundance. Come on. And not just financially, but watch me. Abundance of joy, abundance of peace, abundance of love. Come on, open your mouth and say, I appreciate abundance. All right, let's go, church. Here we go. So they're getting ready to go on this journey, and they're going to go to five places. The fifth is going to be the right one. The four are going to be interesting. And every place they go to find the donkeys is life trying to remake Saul and break Saul, watch me, as a young man. Why is that important to understand? Life didn't start just trying to remake and break you when you got in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. started when you were five, six, seven. started when you were a kid. And it started trying to break you. If you didn't see Wednesday's message, do yourself a favor. Go look at Wednesday's message so you can see the imagery of life trying to remake you and break you. So then you don't see you clearly. And then when you don't see you clearly, you'll do things that don't match who you are. Come on here, y'all. All right, look. So look, his father sends him on a journey to find his donkeys. Look at me. Can I teach you a lesson there? His father sent him to find his stuff. Some of you, you have, your whole life has been trying to fulfill somebody else's. You on your mama's journey. 
which is why you got to know you're the curse breaker. Y'all ain't saying that. You're on your father's journey. That's why you got to know you're the curse breaker. Bishop, what do you mean by that practically? Is that, watch me, everything you have done has not been because of divine design. It's been because you have been trying to live, somebody else has been trying to vicariously live through you. Y'all ain't going to talk. Let's go. Verse 4. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim. We're going to keep reading for a moment. Of Ephraim. And passed through the land of Shalisha. Now say, everybody say Shalisha. Not Aisha, but Shalisha. But they did not find them and passed through the land of Shalim. Uh, but they did, were not there. They passed through the land of Benjamin. They did not find them. Verse 5, when they came to the land of Zuf. So stop. Let's go back. The first place they go is Ephraim. Say Ephraim. Ephraim means this. High places where they used to be fruitful. The first place they try to find what they lost, watch me, is in past success. You've got to learn how to reinvent yourself. Which means you can't keep talking about child in 89, I was prom king. Listen, that's nice, but this is 2020. You're going to learn how to, how to reinvent yourself. Everybody look at me. Sometimes in life, you feel like you can't figure you out because God says, I need you to reinvent. Y'all ain't saying that to me. I need you not to be stuck on who you used to be, how you used to do it. Stop saying this is how I am. That's just how I act. No, you need to learn how to reinvent yourself. Otherwise, you're going to keep trying to go to Ephraim to find new success, but there's nothing there but old fruit. There's nothing there but old fruit. And old fruit eventually spoils. Y'all not saying nothing to me. And God says, I'm trying to do something new in your life. In fact, the year 2020 means all things new. I need you to stop telling me how you used to get success. And I need you to reinvent yourself. Lay your hands on yourself. Say reinvent, reinvent. Here's the second place they go. Shalisha. This means a place of idolatry and false gods. Idolatry and idol means something that becomes more important than God. It's a false god. False God, the word God means source, so it's a false source. See, your job is not a source, it's a resource, but you can make it a false source. How do I do that? Because it's more important than God. Your merits, watch, look at me, look at me, your merits can become an idol. Because you will let the fight you had with your spouse make you not worship. And because you got an attitude with him, you're like, God, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't in the mood. And God is like, so really? Because of him, you ain't going to worship me? So you made an idol out of your spouse. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. You made an idol out of your marriage. Your kids. You can, must mean, you get, we got kids now that want to do everything. And that's amazing. They want to play taekwondo. They want to do karate. They want to do dominoes. They want to do phase 10. They want to do football. They want to do basketball. They want to do wrestling. Then they want to jog. Then they want to do cross country. Then they want to go across the country. Then they want to go, they want to go, then they want to be a pilot. Then they want to be a junior pilot. Then they want to be a deacon. Then they want to be a junior deacon. And then, only old school folks know what a junior deacon is. I remember one time I was at a church back when I did music. I was at a church, and a man got up. It was a traditional church, and a man, it was youth day. And, you know, <laughs> it was youth day. It was youth day. man got up, and he said, we got future junior deacons in this church. I said, he's believes in his deacon program. I love it. So I said, come on, deacon program. <laughs> Everybody look at me. Look. Many times in today's culture, do you not know that they market to your kids to get your money? And that's where your kids know how to use your phone better than you do. They'll take your phone and boop, 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 boop. Mama, I want this. Daddy, I want this. Look at me. Be careful that you don't make your kids an idol. What do you mean? Is that whatever they want is more important than what God wants. So little Jimmy don't want to get up and go to church today. Little Jim, little, 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 listen to the whole sentence. Little Jimmy. Little means you live in my house. 
what you want to do and don't want to do aren't options at this stage of your life. When you get good and grown and pay your own bills, pay your own note, you better get a Joshua spirit. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Mama ain't ready. Well, come naked. You're going you to go. come naked before I come. Let's go. I bet you be ready next time. No, put some clothes on them, though. <laughs> no, put some shorts on, T-shirts, little flip-flop sandals. Put some on them. Listen. <laughs> Y'all ready? Look at me. What have you made a false god out of? A false source. Look at me. For some people, it's your emotions. Your emotions are your source. And if you feel in some type of way, God ain't getting, God ain't gonna see you. I'm gonna watch church later. I'm just going through a lot. It's a lot going on. I gotta process. So God says, so your emotions are your source. You've made a God out of your emotions. Everybody look at me. Whatever you make a God out of, God has to take that off the take that off the throne. That's why the scripture says in the Ten Commandments, I will have no other gods before me. God says, whatever you make a God out of, I'll remove it from your life. Could it be that there are certain things that, be, that were removed, watch me, that were good until you made them a God? It was amazing until you started making them more important than the Lord. And I need everybody to say, God, you're number one in my life. Come on, say it like me to say, God, you are first in my life. So the first place they go to try to find what they lost is past success. Say, I have to reinvent myself. The second place they go, watch me, is idolatry. They make false gods. So watch me. Since I'm not happy with how this is going, I'll make a god out of something new. So since I'm not happy with how my business went, now I want a relationship, and that's my god. Since the relationship didn't go well, now I'm going to start this business, and that's my god. You see? Then the third place they go is Shalim. Say Shalim. Now, watch me. Shalim means this, little foxes. Now, that's deep because there's this phrase, little foxes, has got another scriptural reference. It comes from Song of Solomon 2.15. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Stop. For who? Us. Who's Solomon talking about? It's a relationship. Watch. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. Look at me. The little foxes only show up when it's fruit-bearing time. They only show up when it's harvest time. What is the little fox, Bishop? It is a little problem that you ignore that has now become a big issue because it's killing your fruitfulness. And I rebuke you have worked that hard and put in that much time and that much energy in a little fox spoiling your vine. Somebody say, no little fox will spoil my vine. What does this mean? There are relationships of all types that will come in your life that will introduce little foxes that can spoil your big fruit. Look at me. Bitterness is how one of them come. You start looking for thank yous, and there's some thank yous you will never get. I posted a video the other day. That thing blessed me on social media. Because, because look at me. There's many people you're looking for a thank you that's never coming. It's the thank you you'll never get. Because you're waiting on the people you were good to to be good to you. And the Bible says, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he should receive, expect to receive the same from the Lord. I need you to say this. Say, Lord, I'm expecting you to repay me. Can you say that with a little attitude just so that your bitterness hears you? Say, Lord, I'm expecting you to repay me. But look at me. It can be a little fox that comes in. And then it's going to start spoiling the vine. It's going to start messing up your fruitfulness and your harvest. So what happens? First place he goes is past success. Then he starts making idols, false gods. Now he starts ignoring little things. 
Because remember, his whole nature is as long as it looks good. It doesn't really matter if it is. As long as the car looks great, who cares what's in the engine? As long as people think everything's fine, it doesn't really matter if it is. What's the fourth place he goes to? The fourth place, watch me, the fourth place is the land of what? Benjamin. We already learned where Benjamin is. Ravenous wolves. Watch me. The little foxes that you would not handle have now morphed into another animal and they're a ravenous wolf. What do wolves do? Wolves now, watch me, wolves, everybody look at me, wolves, everybody look at me, wolves, everybody look at me. He's going to make sure you with me. What a wolf, what wolf, <laughs> what a, now nah, I can't change the word. What a wolf does when they're ravenous is they operate from scarcity. Look at me. All of them are fighting to be the alpha. Which means all of them are fighting for a position that not all of them are built for. So what does this mean? He is now, watch me, he is now surrounded in an environment where he's fighting to succeed because he thinks there's only enough room for him. Why is that important to understand? You got to be careful that you're not surrounded by wolves you call friends. You got to be careful you're not surrounded by wolves that have your last name. You know you're surrounded by wolves because every time y'all come around, it's not a complimenting party. It's a tear you down party. You got your little this. You did your little this. You got your little this. You did your little this. Well, I don't like this. Well, I don't like that. But wolf! Huh? All right, watch. But they didn't find him there. So all of this fighting, all of this fighting to be the top, the alpha, he doesn't find it there. See, when you're vying to fight others to say there's only room for me, you're still not going to find success for you. This is why we have a world of people who are full. Uh, it's amazing because people will, will taunt other people and beat down other people and talk about other people as if that makes you look strong. Who's scared? All right, let's move. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? Verse 5. Now, where did they go? Four places. Say four places. Four is the biblical number of creativity. Look at me. Whenever you face a crisis or a challenge, you got two options. Create or cancel. Most people cancel. What do you mean most people? Because whenever they face a challenge or a crisis, this ain't God's will. God don't want me to do this because it's hard. You know what? So-and-so didn't say it the way I liked, so I'm canceling. As if. <laughs> I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Now, look at me. Which one is in God? Because that's what should be in you. Every time God saw a problem, he didn't cancel. He created. Lazarus was dead. You know what he said? Lazarus, get up. He created something new. They had never seen that before, and he got up. Somebody said, I choose to create, not to cancel. So when they came to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant who was with him, come, let us go back. What is Saul about to do? Cancel, because he only cares about what it looks like, not what it is. You ain't even done nothing, and you talking about you canceling. I'm just on sabbatical. You ain't done nothing. I'm on vacation. From what? I want to know what you're vacationing from. I just need a break. 
from all that sitting and doing nothing, I, I, that's what you need a break from. All right. <laughs> Do you, boo. Zuff. Zuff is interesting, right? Zuff. Zuff. A to Z. Z means you to the end. Anybody look at me? Sometimes God lets you get to the end of all your other options. And when you get to the end of all your other options, say, say I'm in Zuff. Zuff literally translates into the land of the man of God. God takes him, watch me, after he tried everything else, God takes him to church. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. This is why church is so important. Please put my verse on the screen. This is why church is so important because God says, I'm trying. You didn't try uh, Ephraim. You didn't try Shalisha and Aisha and Keisha and Renee. And You've tried everything else, and now that you've got to the end, you've gotten to Z, why don't you give God a try? I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm doing it God's way, I'm doing it God's way, I'm doing it God's way. When they came to the land of Zuff, the land of the man of God, that's deep. That's what Zuff means, the land of the man of God. Somebody said, I had to hear this word today. That's why somebody shared it. That's why I have you to share it. Because you might be the introduction to somebody's Zuff. When you share it and they tune in, you might be the introduction to somebody's Zuff. Because they've tried it every other which way. And now God says, come on to Zuff. So when they came to the land of Zuff, Saul said to his servant who was with him, come, let us go back. Let my father care, uh, cease to care about the donkeys. And he becomes anxious about us. Now, listen, listen. Saul was getting ready to what? Cancel. But look at what type of friend he had with him. His friend said, verse 6, behold, it's a man of God in this city. He's a man that's held in honor, and everything he says come to true, comes true. So let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us where we should go or tell us the way we should go. Look at me. This is why church is so important. Please look at me. I don't know how people live without it. Because this is how you learn the word so you know how to work it, so you know where to go. Other than that, let me tell you what you do. You keep going in circles. And here's what's crazy. It's the same four places. Let's be clear. It's the same four places you go in circles. Ephraim, you keep trying to go back to past success. Come on, y'all. Then you go. Then you go to Shalisha. Now you're trying to make another false god. Then, then it's little stuff you start ignoring, and then you get around a bunch of ravenous wolves, and you go through this circle. And I came to announce to somebody: your circle has come to its end. To if you believe that, get up on your feet in your house, wave your hands, open up your mouth, and say, "No more cycles. No more circles." What did God use to break the cycle? Watch me, a man of God. But can I get deep on you right here? Can I get deep? Ladies, watch me. Watch me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. What breaks your cycle? A seed. Please catch me. Which explains the next verse. Verse 7. Then Saul said to his servant, but if we go, what can we bring the man? For the bread in our sacks is gone, and there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? Verse 8. The servant answered Saul, here, I got with me a quarter of a shekel of silver. I'll give it to the man of God, and he'll tell us our way. Stop. They were getting ready to go into a cycle, but they sold a seed and broke the cycle. The 
Don't you ever let anybody talk about your giving. That's how you keep breaking your cycles. Don't you let anybody talk about your showing, talk about your serving. That's how you break your cycle. That's how you break your cycle. That's how you break your cycle. Why am I not worried about repeating the same mistake? I got a seed in it. Why are you not worried about repeating the generational curses of your bloodline? I got a seed in this thing. So look, so look, this is why when I say sow the seal, this is where this comes from. When they sowed, they, they said, let us sow so we know where to go. See, watch me. It doesn't make sense to a natural person. Because a natural person say, why are you doing that? It don't take all that. Look, you wolf, hush. You need to learn how to tell wolves to hush. Because if you look at them, watch me, they're in one of them four places. Never listen to a wolf that's been somewhere you already beat. You got me? They said, let us, let us, oh, I feel like preaching. Let us, watch me, let us, let us give this to the man of God, and he'll tell us where to go. Let's skip down to verse 17 for the sake of time. When Samuel saw Saul, now look at me. The Lord had told Samuel. Who's Samuel? The man of God. If you've been around for a little while, you know Samuel because there's a verse. 1 Samuel 3.19 that says, And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. So his reputation preceded him. Now let's jaywalk back over here. Back, back to verse 17. Let's go back to verse 17. Y'all ready? First Samuel 9, 17. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He, uh, he it is who will restrain my people. Look at me. Samuel was prepared for Saul. He's going to catch that. Saul wasn't prepared for Samuel. He didn't know that he was talking to his answer. How do you know that? Because if you keep reading, you'll discover he says, well, who is the seer? Samuel says, I'm the seer. He says, you didn't even know who you were talking to. Look at me, which is why you got to be careful treating people bad. Because the one you treat bad might be your answer. Your answer might be standing in line at Walmart. Don't get no attitude. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Your answer might be standing in line at the airport. Stop pushing them people. They may turn around and say, you know what? God just told me to write you a $50,000 check. I don't even know you, but I... Let me prophesy to somebody, you've got a major debt this week that God's about to shut down and cancel. Within seven days, you will have a testimony of how this week that debt shut down. And that word will not fall to the ground for somebody. If you want to snatch that for yourself, put a praise on it. Okay, 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 okay. Look, look, verse 19. Samuel answered Saul, but let me... No, hold on. Let me go back to 17, though. 17. 17. Uh, it says, the Lord said, here he is. Say, there you go. <laughs> Look at me. While you thought you were in delay, God was preparing somebody for you. <laughs> this is why you got to make sure you're ready. So that when they say, there you go, you're ready to go. I need you to say, God hasn't wasted anything. How, how do you know that, Bishop? Because if we go down to verse 19, Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. I am the man of God. I am the prophet. That's what they used to be called, the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for today you're going to eat with me. And in the morning, I'm going to tell you everything that's on your mind. 
He's invited to a high table. Everybody, please listen to me. Honor the high tables you're invited to because those invitations aren't forever. In the scripture, they, watch me, they honored when they were invited to the man of God's table. They honored when they were invited up. And you have to be careful that whenever you're invited to sit at a high table, that you give it high honor because those invitations won't last forever. So Harvest, come on, sit at my table for a moment. You ready? Come on, sit at the high table. Somebody say, I'm at the high table. If you grew up in the, if you grew up in the South, you know some about the high table. What do you mean the high table? Because you had the kitty table for Sunday dinner. Y'all better come on here. And the kitty table had them little kitty cups, them little kitty chairs. And when you was a tween, not quite a teen, you know, you was 11, 12, number 13 is a teen. Tween. He's a tween. You, he was like, so what's up with the big table? And look, you sitting on the table with legs all sticking out, bumping the table. And you and the other tween that's in the family trying to make the other little kids. You're trying to reign over them. You don't need no more. You ain't their daddy. Leave them alone. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Who the, wave at me online. Do the heaven with you. You know what I'm talking about? You're trying to reign, rule, reign, conquer some do over all the little kids. Are you the kid police? Uh-uh, leave her alone, leave her alone. All right, watch. Look, somebody say, I'm being invited up. Say your name, your first and last name on the count of three. One, two, three. Your name's being brought up. Because there's a table. There's a high table that's being set for you, and he prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Somebody say, I'm being invited to the high table. I, I got to move. I got to quit. All right? He says, oh, and when we eat, I'm going to tell you everything that's on your mind. He says, because, li listen, you got a lot on your mind, and when you have a lot on your mind, you'll normally make bad decisions. See, when you're thinking about everything, you normally do nothing. I'm going to reverse that so you get it. Or back it up, excuse me, so you get it. When you're thinking about everything, you normally do nothing. When it's a lot going on, you're normally paralyzed. And so you'll t people will say, what's going on? I'm just thinking. <laughs> All day? We got to eat. It's almost six. I You've been thinking all day. Take a break. And here's what's crazy. At the end of all your thinking, somebody says, so what you thinking? I don't even know. <laughs> You've been doing this for eight hours and don't know nothing? <laughs> Come on, y'all. If you know I'm telling the truth, say, preach, bishop. So look, so look, so look, so look. He says, you gotta, you're dealing with everything, so you're doing nothing right now, Saul. Well, look, verse 20. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. And from whom is all that is desirable in Israel, is it not for you and for your father's house? Look at me. So Samuel said, hey, listen. Oh, and by the way, the thing you didn't tell me about that I know you're thinking about, just so you know who you're dealing with, let me tell you about that. I need you to catch that. What, what, what are you saying, Bishop? Saul thought he lost it. God wanted Samuel to tell him, you didn't lose it. I just took it from in front of your face. 
Because there's certain things that, in, watch me, if I don't get it out of your focus, it's going to mess up your future. Come on here. There's certain things you were like, I lost it, I lost it, I lost it. And God is like, nothing was wasted. You didn't lose anything. For all of us that have ever felt like we wasted time, wasted years, wasted energy, wasted money, somebody say, I didn't waste anything. Say, God didn't waste anything. That's a word. Look at me. Bishop, all those years I, I lost. They've been found. Where they at? They were seed for your future. I took it from you and put it in the ground. Come on, y'all. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I didn't lose anything. Say, it went ahead of me. Woo! Into my future. Say, my future looks good. Because I've got seed in the ground. There's going to be people you thought you wasted your time with. You're going to meet people in your future that are going to be like everything you thought you wasted your time on. I need you to catch me. There's going to be people in your future. Hear me, hear me, hear me. There's going to be people in your future that you thought you wasted time on in your past. You're going to meet them in your future. They're going to know everything that you taught to people from your past. They're going to know you. and going to be like, how you know me? How you figure that out? How you know that? Because God says, you didn't waste anything. I just took that out of your focus, and I sent it to your future. I took it out of your focus, and I sent it to your future. Somebody say, I didn't lose anything. Okay, guys, I got to finish. 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 This word is so good to me. I literally want to throw the mic, and I actually want it to break. But then if it breaks, then I can't finish the word. So on Wednesday, if you see me with a new mic, you know what happened after church. You're like, well, Bishop, why do you want it to break? This is so good to me. Because look at me. Let me tell you why there's so many bitter people. Because you think you lost something. You think you lost time. You think you lost energy. You think you lost money. And God says, mm, as for the donkeys you thought you lost, mm, they've been found. They're in your future. You ready? I don't want that headset. You ready? All right, look. Verse 21. Saul answered, here he go. Better call Saul. Which means, don't call that boy. Saul answered, am I not a Benjamite? What's the first thing this sucker brings up? His past. First thing he brings up when he's invited to a high table. I don't qualify. So you thought this was about you qualifying? None of us qualified. That's why Jesus shed his blood. So that when we are seen, an opportunity sees us. It doesn't see us, it sees the blood. You ready? He says, and, and, and aren't we from the least of the tribes of Israel? He said, we're from the smallest tribe. We fight like wolves and we steal small. There's a word for some of y'all. Because watch me. You do a lot of fighting with a lot of people and still don't have much to show. For all that fighting with certain people. I need you to make this declaration. Say, no unnecessary fights. The rest of this year, rest of this decade. Say, unless there's something to win, that's a fight I'm not in. Stop there. But I'm going to respond to her and let her. What you going to win? She's a wolf. You know she's a wolf. <laughs> this is the 1115, though. So I'm just saying. Okay, look. Look. <laughs> look. 
And it's not my clan, the most humblest clan. What does that mean? And they're arrogant. Look, Saul, you're average and arrogant. You don't get to be both. None of us should be arrogant. But don't be, you ever met somebody that was just so arrogant? And you're like, this what you're arrogant about? Mm. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, I have nothing to be arrogant about. Say, because everything I have, God did it. He says, why are you even speaking to me this way? Look at me. What is Saul revealing? His insecurity. He's insecure. And insecurity is dangerous when you have authority. So let's fast forward in his story. Let's go to 1 Samuel 10. So in 1 Samuel 10, he's anointed to be king. And in verse number 6, Samuel anoints him. He puts the oil on him. Let me have some oil. We got some oil over there? Let me have some oil. He's anointed to be king. And since you bald head, you're going to get anointed today. These other gentlemen's got hair. All right. All right, come on. So now just kneel down. This is how, how they do it in the Bible, saints. Okay? He's not kneeling to me. Okay? All right. Don't, don't start now with me. Look, he's anointed. Somebody say anointed. Anointing means he's smeared. You ready? He's smeared with something that will help him escape what tries to stick to him. See, the first thing God does before he gives you position is he'll give you anointing so you've got grace to sit in that seat. That's why other people look at what you do and they're like, I don't know how you do that. You ain't got my oil. Ah, you don't have my oil. So you don't understand why I'm not bothered. So he gets anointed. He gets anointed. You ready? He gets anointed. Okay. Come on. Come help him out because it's about to roll. Come on. Come help him out. You taking pictures. Come on and help him out. Help him out. Here we go. It's going it's to roll on the floor. All right, now you ready? He's anointed. You ready? I need you to see this as you. God looked past your past and still chose to put some oil on you. Come on, church. He looked past your past and still put some oil on you. What is anointing? It's grace. It's favor. It's super to your natural. Somebody say, he's got the oil for it. Okay, now stand up. Now look what the Bible says. Verse 6, then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into a what? Another man. God made him. Life tried to remake him and break him. What does God send him to? He sends him to church. He sends it to a man of God and says, Samuel, make him into another man. Do y'all see that from verse 6? Do y'all see it? He says he's going to be made into, put up verse 6, he's going to be made into another man. Say another man. Say it again, say another man. Say, I may not be where I want to be, but I can thank God I'm not where I used to be. Verse 9, when he turned his back, turn around for me. When he turned his back, so as he was leaving church, not leaving the church, when he was leaving church. Because see, some come to just get your oil and then you bounce. But what you don't understand is as you go through life, the oil needs to be replenished. See, it's gone now. See, watch me. All that hell you dealt with last week, got that oil. All that mess with your relationship, got that oil. So now, watch me. I got to be faithful to church. Why? Because I need fresh oil. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now watch me. Stick with me. So he turned his back. Verse 9. I'm going to skip around for the sake of time. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. Heart means mind in scripture. He says, you're another man with a new mind. You a new man with a new mind. So when people say, you acting brand new, that's the whole idea. 
That's the whole idea. Somebody say, that's the whole idea. Say, that's the whole point of the story. Say it again. Say, that's the whole point of the story. Now watch this. Make sure I'm good back there. Make sure I'm good. Uh, watch me. Now look at this. He says, and all these, look at verse 9. When he turned back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. Verse 22. So they inquired again. So in between verse 9 and verse 22, watch what happens. He he's calls the children of Israel together and says, we're about to anoint him. He's about to be king. We're about to make him king. It's time. Somebody say, it's time. Y'all remember Lion King? It is time. But watch. So they inquired again of the Lord. What does Saul mean? To ask for. So they inquired again of the Lord. Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he's hidden himself among the baggage. You've been through all these four places. You've been through all this journey. You had all of this hallelujah in church. And then when it's time, where are you at? When we need you, where are you? Look what happens. The Lord said, there you go. He's hidden himself amongst the baggage. Well, now, look, all of his bags, he's hidden himself amongst his past. And when God is ready to move forward, He's telling God why he can't. And these, these, these bags are full. They're full of, of things that are really interesting things. These, these bags are full. This is a charging cord. Yeah. You're from power. Why are you looking for it? I'm going I'm to give you two more seconds to let you catch it. Your daddy's name is power. Why are you still trying to plug into other sources of power? You, you, you got all of these, all of this baggage. And it's got all these wonderful containers and all of these, all of these wonderful things. Oh, here you go. Oh, you got some headphones. So now you're trying to listen to a new voice. Even though you already had your voice speak to you. But because of your insecurity, you doubt your Samuel. Wait a minute. What we got here? We got a pen. Because you're writing everything you're going to do but haven't done it. You're hiding amongst your baggage. And I came today call you out. Come out of your baggage. Come out of your past. Come out of your failure. Come out of your mistakes. Come out of your misery. Come out of your fear. Come out of your anxiety. Come out of your panic. Come out. I need you to lift both of your hands and say, I'm coming out with my hands up. So look, so look, he's hiding amongst the baggage. Verse 23, and they ran. They ran. And they took him from there. Look, but when he stood among the people, he's taller than any other people 
from his shoulders upward. You ready? Now, what's amazing is both of them about to experience something. Because the one that ran to get him from his baggage is about to see him be anointed to lead everybody and their baggage. You ready? Come on, let's go, y'all. Look, I got to finish. Look. But look at verse 27. But then some worthless fellows came. And they said, how can this man save us? You know, you know, act, you know how folk be doing that. You know, how, how this man? Look, you know why they said that? Because they saw him back there. They saw him hiding. So now his insecurity has become contagious. Insecurity. Look, look at me. So they say, how is this dude? You, you do talk. Thank you. How is this dude? Listen, they never know when they're getting called up until I call them over. <laughs> Listen, how is this dude going to save us? And look what the Bible says. They despised him. What does that mean? They talked about him. To who? To, to other people. Look at me. So now he's already insecure and he got people talking about him. So now they're over here talking about him. Look, and look what the Bible says. And they brought him no present. That means they did not honor him. But notice what they are in the sake of this story. Worthless. It's amazing how often you let worthless people mess with your worth. Don't you let worthless wolves make you get insecure about your worth. All you got to do is check their fruit. And if they don't have nothing to show, you need to go. So look, he's already insecure. They talking about him and they dishonored him. I need you to catch me. Because day one of him being king, he's being talked about and dishonored. I'm going to say it again so you get it. Because you think everybody's supposed to celebrate your oil. You think everybody's supposed to celebrate your promotion. You think everybody's supposed to celebrate what you're trying to do. You're trying to figure out why does it seem like you're surrounded by saboteurs. Everything you try to build, they sabotage. Y'all hear me? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Because his seat requires his ability to deal with dishonor and being talked about. Watch me. And not come off of a throne. Because a king has no business playing with court jesters. That's why the Bible says they are worthless fellows. Thanks, everybody. Here we go. So look at me. 1 Samuel 15, 35. We got to run real fast. Y'all ready? This is a word. Oh, my God. This is, you got to listen to this like 50 times. So he now is king. God gives him an assignment. He says, go, and I want you to do this. Saul doesn't do it. And Saul doesn't do it because Saul says, I am listening to these. I'm listening to the people. He said, well, the people said this. And look at verse, 1 Samuel 15, 35. And Samuel did not see Saul again on the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul. Look at me. And the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. That's a whole, ooh, that's a day. When merciful, kind God says, I wish I would have left you back there. Because I didn't pull you from back there for you to act like you're still back there. I didn't pull you out of mess for you to be messy. 
God says, I regret that I even made you king. If I look at me, check your pulse. I need you to say this. Say, he still has a plan. You missed your shout. I'll back it up. Everybody, check your pulse. Still beating? He still has a player. I'm going to do it one more time. Because somebody in Atlanta didn't get it. Check your pulse. He still has a player. Somebody said, he hasn't given up on me. Look, so let's fast forward. So Saul, the Lord regrets that he made him king. And let's look at 1 Samuel 31 and 3. The battle pressed hard against Saul. And the archers found him. And he was what? Badly wounded by the archers. This is the part that made me uh, cry last night. And I said cry. That was a moment of weeping. I wouldn't. You know. And even if I did. Nah. Grown men can cry. Some of you grown men need to cry. That's why you're so mean. You're just mean because you need to cry. Cry it out. And listen to me. And if you don't do it, you'll get wounded to the point where it'll force a cry. So you better go get you some water after church and just put it down your face. <laughs> I'm joking. It made me cry because this, this spoke to me in a way that, to be honest, I was going to cut all the rest of this part of the message out because I said it's going to take me a little longer than I wanted to do the message for. But I said, but I got to preach it because Wednesday's message is called Saul's Confessions. What would Saul tell you about everything we didn't read? These are his confessions. The battle pressed hard against Saul. Somebody say, it's supposed to be that way. You're the king. Revelation 5.10, he makes us kings and priests. It's supposed to press against you. You're just supposed to press back. And the archers found him. And he was badly wounded by the archers. Now this is interesting. Can I go deep for a minute? Let me finish 11.15. Here it is. If the archers were able to pierce him, that means somebody was around him that was off their assignment. Somebody around him was out of position, which means he put his trust in somebody else to make sure they were there to protect him. This is why you can't put your faith in people. You've got to put your faith in the Lord. Because who was supposed to protect him was off their assignment. The archers find, look at me, an entry point. You need to check your circle and figure out where the entry point is because there is one. I don't care how strong you think it is, there is one. And he's badly wounded by the archers. Say badly wounded. He's so badly wounded. But look at me. He's not dead. Look at me. He's not bleeding out. Look at me. But because his construct says it needs to look good. I, look at me. Woo! I'd rather. Look at me. Saul says he'd rather die than have his men see him wounded. Because that don't look good. What are you killing? 
that you just need a little help for, that you'd rather die. You'd rather for it to die than for it not to look good. I need you to say this. Say, I'm delivered from being superficial about life. Say, I am a testimony. Say, no shame. Say, no condemnation. He's badly wounded by the archers. Here it is, y'all. Look. Verse 4. So he tells his armor bearer, draw your sword, thrust me. Lest these uncircumcised, these non-Hebrews see me, and they're going to thrust me and mistreat me. Well, wait a minute, Saul. You don't even make sense. Thrust you and mistreat you? So they're going to kill you, then treat you bad? See, when you're insecure, you live in instability. Your thoughts don't even make sense. That's why it takes so long to come up with nothing. They're going to kill me and treat me bad. Look at the order. No, catch the order. Catch the order. Look what he says. They're going to thrust me through. <laughs> then they're going to treat me bad. Well, you're going to be dead, Saul. What difference does it make? Because when you're insecure and you come from wolves and your daddy's power and your daddy's wealth, You'd much rather the story look a certain way than it actually be a certain way. So watch. Look what happens. And this is the part where I got emotional. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Everybody read this last part with me. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. He was wounded. And he allowed his wound to make him take himself out. Look at me. What if you quit because you thought it was going to quit you? What have you given up on because you thought it was going to give up on you? What have you walked away from because you thought it might not be there one day? You allowed a wound, look at me, to make you quit. You allow people who aren't even called worthless fellows to make you want to quit. They're not why you started but now you're using them as the reason for why you quit. I rebuke the quit in you for the things that need to fight in you. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his 
life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do... I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com ACP. Non-transferable, one-per-household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.